It's time for the round table with Round Daddy. Hey, Round Daddy. The round table with Round Daddy. Me, James Strebel, Big Daddy. With your host, James Strebel. Hey, Round Daddy, James Strebel. Gotcha. On ESPN 680 and 105.7. I'm looking around for, for content and, and, and looking at different websites and everything. Of course, I, I fall on KSR. I fall on, I fall on the KSR here. All right. It's a Wednesday. It's a weird Wednesday. Welcome to the show. It's the Roundtable. I'm your host, James Strebel, Anna Tarullo. She's here today sitting across from me. How you doing, Anna? I'm doing so good. I'm ready to get weird. Ready to get weird? Heck yeah. James Black producing today's effort. So let's go. All right. Let's go ahead and do it. We don't want to keep him waiting any longer. Hit the opening. Let's go. Extraterrestrials. The occult. Gather around the lunch table, children. Don't try to get up. He won't let you leave. It's Weird Wednesday with Mr. Strebel. All right, we bring him in now. Our guest, Isaac Weishaupt, host of Occult Symbolism and Pulp Culture Podcast. Also breaking social norms that he does with his wife, trying to explain occult symbolism to a, a quote, normie. Uh, author of books such as Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, all about aliens, UFOs, and the occult, The Dark Path, and then Kubrick's Code, which goes through all the movies of Stanley Kubrick, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, Eyes uh, wide shut that's that's the big one and then also he's appeared on podcasts such as tinfoil hat the confessionals the higher side chats and more uh let's go ahead and bring him in at illuminati eyes on x isaac weishaupt isaac my man thank you so much how you doing hey james man what's up thanks for having me on it's, it's a exciting time to be a conspiracy jerk and try to scare people about aliens <laughs> so i'm ready to get into it hey it is man 2024 has already turned into a weird year uh we'll get to a little bit more of that here in, in, in a moment but the reason i had you on isaac is that this miami mall alien flap that, that happened or interdimensional beings or whatever you know you want to, to to categorize them as you know i had the nation in a tizzy at least uh on social media for a little while while, and you did a banger episode on the confessionals uh, about it, and it was what you had like what four or five guests that that uh, that you guys had on that one. Yeah, Tony Merkel, uh, he's the host of the confessionals. He hit me up, and we had a few people get together, you know, quote unquote experts. Right, we're all sort of independent <laughs> researchers, right? <laughs> and and uh, you know, luckily, you know, for for my part, I've been researching this stuff for I mean, I don't even know how long. It's been it depends on how. You know, deeply researching it for uh, going on my 13th year now of blogging and podcasting about it. But prior to that, there was lots of books and, you know, pop culture interests. But, yeah, we um, we all kind of contributed different elements of this thing. And for me, I study the occult, which just means the hidden, which uh, all those things are manifesting into reality now. And we're seeing the world in this weird state of flux where people are trying to make sense of what's going on because, uh, you know, intuitively we know that the what we're being told doesn't really make sense with what we understand. And mm-hmm. The Miami mall was just one incident of many that people, they, they don't trust and they don't believe the mainstream institutions anymore. And they look to people like, like me, the independent researchers who, who try to make sense of this stuff. Absolutely. Well, Isaac Weishaupt with us, a uh, host of occult symbolism and pulp culture. Check that out wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever he's all over the place. Uh, okay. So Isaac, I, let, let's dive into this a little bit here. Uh, the, the Miami episode, uh, if, if people that, that, you know, don't follow this stuff closely, it might've been the, really the first time that they saw something like this, where there's these stories of these interdimensional beings or these ETs or whatever, kind of showing up and popping up where there's stories around the world and even more in the United States. Uh, you had the Las Vegas uh, incident. I don't know if you remember that or not, where you had the family uh, say they saw some entities in their backyard. The police showed up. They're like eight, 10 foot beings as well. Then you have what's going on in Peru uh, in, in that small town, in that village where you have the quote face peelers and other spots in South America. Uh, what's odd to me, Isaac, is you know we we've been seeing uaps or ufos for for decades now dating back to the you know 40s 50s and sometimes beyond if you want to get that far back but now it's, it's like this weird phenomenon where we're seeing actual entities on a more consistent basis it's just not okay look what's in the sky or or you know i, I had an abduction episode and it was it was you know just one person now it's entire groups of people that are seeing these things popping in and out do you have any explanation as to why now it seems like this is more of a prevalent thing where people are seeing these entities in, 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 in large groups. 
Well, we're experiencing a very strange moment in history where we've got this form of soft disclosure where finally, after all these years, the uh, the institutions, like the government, whatever, they're coming out and they're saying, hey, there's some uh, phenomenon and we're not really sure what's going on, when the reality is we all know that they do know what's going on because this is – uh, this goes back to the 1947 with the Roswell crash, and of course everybody knows that you know the government, the Pentagon, and the Air Force they had all these programs like Project Sign and then Project Grudge and mm-hmm. then Project Blue Book that investigated this for 20, 30 years, and the official narrative was always, no, we never found anything, case closed, forget about it. And the reality is we're hearing about the secret government, the deep state, whatever you want to call this thing. It's a... Uh, another old trope in the world of conspiracy going back to my my red pill daddy is bill cooper from yeah. the 80s right <laughs> yeah behold a peril horse yep yeah and and he he talked about all this stuff in the 80s he talked about the secret government and an alien agenda and and look i'll, I'll be honest with you i don't know where i stand on the belief in aliens i, I do know that i i buy into the idea that there's extra dimensional entities. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I 100% believe in that, but I don't know when you when you say, oh, there's these, these beings that come from planet Nibiru and they <laughs> crash the thing. I, I don't know about that. Right. I'm, a hard, I'm a hard sell. But the, um, the interdimensional aspect is what it's all about. And if you listen closely, because and the only reason I, and I'm not, I'm not a prophet, I'm not some genius, I'm just a guy that paid attention for all these years. I wrote right. a book uh, uh, you, you know, I wrote a book called The Dark Past back in I think 2017. I wrote yeah. about this book, and it was my first. And, and I'd always talked about aliens in all my books, going back to 2012. But this is I, I devoted a few chapters to it. And what was going on back then? NASA told you back then. The chief scientist she come out and said, "We're going to basically prove the existence of aliens by the year 2025." Yes, and you line that up with all this other stuff. I mean, there's not enough time to get into all of it today, but. The, what we're experiencing is is soft disclosure, and I, I don't know where they're going to take it. I do know that they like to use this stuff, uh, the anxiety that this produces, because whenever you have, I actually studied, um, I studied uh, systems engineering at Penn State, and yeah. what we talked about, there was a whole course about change agency, and how do you make change in an organization? Well, there's a there's this thing that we do as humans where we build this narrative, the social construct of the world we live in, and it's kind of baked in. And when you try to change something as fundamental as, oh, yeah, there's entities living in another dimension or another planet, that's very difficult. You yeah. have to slowly crack that nut, and it just takes a long time. And add on top of that, like they've been telling us the opposite for all these years. And I, and I know why they did that. They did that because, you know, theoretically it looks weak as a leader – to come out and say, hey, there's this thing, but we don't really know anything about it. Go about your day. Like, they can't do that. That causes chaos. I, yes. I could handle it. I think most <laughs> people probably could handle that and just say, oh, yeah, there are some weird, mysterious things about this world that we don't understand. I mean, that's the truth when you get into science, when you get into, uh, you know, they're still finding species of animals in the ocean and yeah. all this stuff. Right? Rainforest in the Amazon rainforest are still finding stuff all the time. Yeah, so it's not that foreign of an idea, but I think it puts it, it puts a lot of questions about uh, religion and the world, mm-hmm. which the uh, you know the the puppet masters have done a good job of creating in our minds. Because when they when they start cracking it, that's when there's going to be conflict and anxiety, and, and they're preparing our minds for a mass initiation, a, a ritual, if you will, paving a way to this new reality. And depending on who you listen to, uh, you know, Bill Cooper, he was saying that. This was the plan from the jump. They were going to do this to create a one-world government. Uh, you know, Ronald Reagan said it out loud at a speech at the yeah. UN and, and all this stuff. Um, so I, I don't know where they're heading with it. I, I certainly hope it's not down the Luciferian global government stage, but, I mean, that's been the warning for all these years, and all these other things are coming true. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not trying to be a fear monger, though. Like, I try to stay on the positive side of things. And right. Stay light. But, uh, you know, that is one, one option for us, right? Isaac, I listened to a few of your podcasts last night and earlier today, and I came at it from a very skeptical um, place, but I was very impressed. It was very insightful. It didn't feel like you were necessarily pushing a narrative. You were just um, kind of explaining the research you've done. But I was just curious about your process. How do you differentiate what if a source is credible, if it's not? What does that process look like for you? 
you know, and it gets kind of subjective. Thank you for listening, by the way. But yeah. um, it, get, it gets subjective sometimes, and that's why when I present my information and, and my shows, I try my best not to get too soapboxy or opinionated. And I try to say, look, here's the books. I'm, you know, I'll read the source material. I'll go right to the books. Um, sometimes I get inspiration from uh, people make viral videos on TikTok or YouTube. Uh, sometimes my wife sends them to me. She's like, what do you think about this? And, and I'll start going down that rabbit hole and researching the source material, the source document. And if it if it looks legit in the sense of it's not just some other conspiracy theorist saying it without proof, mm-hmm. then I'll say, okay, maybe there's something here, right? Like for instance, I just I just finished recording a um, I, I don't have a release yet, but I just recorded a uh, a dive into the Book of Enoch, which, which I, is part of the dead. I saw that. Sorry to interrupt. I saw that today, Isaac, on your uh, Instagram story, and I just want you to know how like geeked out and pumped I am <laughs> that you dive into the Watchers, the Nephilim, the Book of Enoch. I, I can't wait for that. Sorry, that was that was just. Uh, yeah. I just had to jump in and interject that. That's, uh, continue, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's an interesting topic, and it's something I've been I've been I've been casually. You know, my, my world is crazy. Like I, I casually research things. And I have this massive, like, four-word, Microsoft Word documents, and I kind of update notes as inspiration hits or whatever's happening. And um, the Book of Enoch is a, a subject I've been interested in for over a year now. And, I'm, and um, yeah, I was going to make it like a multi-part series, but because of the Miami Mall thing, everyone started talking about shape-shifting entities and yeah. the Nephilim. Uh, you know, the Nephilim, of course, being the, the from the Bible. Um the Book of Enoch talks about all these things. And when you get into the Book of Enoch, which uh, I just, like I said, I just recorded, a, it's just like a one-hour episode explaining it. I, I go to the source material, like, let's read the Book of Enoch. And then I gave d- various interpretations from, uh, you know, the Orthodox Church, uh, Damien Eccles, who, oh, you know, yeah. is an occultist. Yeah. Um, you know, and so West on and so forth. Three, multiple angles, because, go ahead, sorry. He yeah. was the West Memphis Three, right? Damien yeah, Eccles? that's right. West yeah. Yep. Yeah. And 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 um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to get side tangent, but I, I provide I provide commentary and opinions from multiple angles because I myself I identify as a Christian, but as James knows, like I'm not I'm a very lukewarm Christian. I, I, <laughs> right. you, could, you could convince me otherwise, really. Like right now, I'm yeah. studying Buddhism because I find a lot of uh, inspiration in that. Yeah, but, but I'm not I'm not these occultists and these people doing ritual magic and stuff. Like I don't. My religion tells me not to do that, and this goes back to the Book of Enoch, right? Mm-hmm. And and what we're talking about when you get into the Book of Enoch, this is again. Uh, let, let me provide a little a little couple minutes on this. Sure, go ahead. One major one major finding: the, the Book of Enoch was found with the Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay, yes, and it's referring to Enoch, who was Noah's great grandfather, and this is a guy who's talked about in the Book of Genesis. They say that Enoch was taken by God up to be with God because he was such a great guy. Whatever. And the the Book of Enoch, when you dig into the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were found from 1947 to somewhere in the 50s, these books tell the story about how there were these fallen angels called the Watchers who were who fell from the heavens. They made a they made, they took a, a curse, a blood pact, came to Earth because they want they couldn't resist the uh, the human women so bad. This is my interpretation. They couldn't resist the human women so much. And they're like, we got, we got to get down there. Yeah. So they were like, let's get kicked out of heaven. I was like, okay, here we go. And, and it's funny because when I'm researching it, I'm, uh, my wife reads these, uh, I'm trying to find a term to use on the radio, these like romance novels about supernatural stuff. Oh yeah. Know, like, oh, romance and supernatural stuff. I like that. That's I'm a great combo. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to understand this. I'm reading Court of thorns and roses or whatever it is but um the, those books the, the book of enoch is basically like the first you know supernatural romance novel when you read it it's these guys these angels with wings that come to earth they procreate with the women and they create this race of giants called the nephilim and you can read about it in the book of genesis yeah they briefly mention it and they say well that's why god made the first flood and noah was saved and blah 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 but um What's interesting, when you understand the realm of the occult, and when I say the occult, I'm talking about, you know, it's a Latin term that means hidden. We're talking about uh, forbidden arts um, that are talked about in the Book of Enoch. We're talking about uh, conjurations, divination, ritual magic, manifesting reality, which is a lot of New Age stuff that you see commonplace today. Um, But 
um, what the story of Book of Enoch tells us is the watchers came down, they procreated, made the Nephilim. God was God was mad at that. He's like, this is an abomination because they taught the the human race all these nasty things, and they're doing all this forbidden, um, you know, nasty business. They're 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 procreating and doing all this crazy stuff and doing magic. And he's like, I'm not having that. And oh, and cannibalism too. They were doing cannibalism. Oh yeah, in the Book of Enoch. Yikes. And. So they sent the flood and, and, and whatever, right? But what's interesting is that when you fast forward from, you know, we're going pre-deluge pre, uh, all the way to the 1500s, here comes a guy named John Dee. He's a magician, oh, yeah. astrologer for uh, Queen Elizabeth I, you know? You, you probably know who he is, right, yep, yep. James? Um, John Dee was very good at what he did. He, he did all these rituals with another guy, um, Edward Kelly, but they they made contact with entities through all these magic rituals, and they transcribed a language. They called it the Enochian language, referencing Enoch, right, from the Book of Enoch. Mm-hmm. And from that, and I'm, I'm overly simplifying all of this, from that, fast forward a couple hundred years, a guy named Joseph Smith uses the Enochian language to summon an, an angel, he called it, Moroni, and that's what found the foundation of the LDS uh, Mormon religion is. Yep. Then you fast forward another 50 years. Guy named Aleister Crowley comes along. He's doing all these magic rituals. Again, using the Enochian tablet, this Enochian language, doing, uh, he called it the Amalantra working. He was up in, uh, I think it was Rhode Island. Yeah. And he channeled <laughs> Lamb in 1918. He channeled, people Google this. Look up Lamb, L-A-M. It means the way or the path. And Crowley channeled this entity and he drew it. And it's a gray alien. It's a, got a big head and the big eyes and all that stuff. Yep. This is 1918. Then uh, from there, uh, you know, 30 years later, 1946, Jack Parsons, the guy who founded JPL, which is the predecessor to NASA, again, massive sort of rabbit hole. Yo, yeah, he, Jack- he's a whole thing unto, his, unto himself, kind of like Crowley as well. <laughs> Honestly, all these characters are. All these characters oh, you yeah. can do deep dive books into in, in, in series-long podcasts on all these individuals. Yeah, and, and and it's well worth it, right? Like I I um I, I did a Jack Parsons deep dive with my on my uh, Breaking Social Norms podcast. We did three episodes on it because um, we watched Strange Angel, and I thought, okay, well, it's, now's a good time. Let's get into Jack Parsons because <laughs> Marjorie Cameron, his consort, the, who he he deemed the um, uh, the nit- lady you know, of the night of Babylon. Yes, there you go. There you go. Good one, James. The, Thank you. the lady of the night of Babylon. She she has a much more interesting story. I I did. Um, I, there's a book called The Wormwood Star. Uh, she's actually much more fascinating than Jack Parsons. But really, I digress. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I did a three parter on her, but that was uh, was on my Patreon feed back in like 2017. I'll have to dig for that because I'm a Patreon now, so I got I got to do oh, dig through your man. library. There you go. I'm not a <laughs> free feed oh, loser, Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. No love for the free feed losers. losers. They get nothing. That's hilarious. <laughs> they get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched too much '80s wrestling growing up, so I always liked the heels, like Ric Flair and stuff. Oh hell yeah! I was like, I was like, you gotta stop calling them losers. I was like, no, they're losers. I put them in their place. They love it. <laughs> yeah, I just can't. of course I'm joking. I, I appreciate anyone who's listening. Um, <laughs> but Jack Parsons, this is where things get super interesting. In '46, he does the Babylon working ritual, and um, his whole his whole jam was he was trying to manifest the the Antichrist with this with this woman. And he, again, used the Enochian language in a, in a ritual. But this is when things got real interesting, because at the same time, we had these, the Trinity bomb testing, the atomic bomb mm-hmm. testing. And that w- there was actually a uh, Trinity UFO crash. A lot of people don't know about that. That was the first retrieved crash in America. It was before Roswell. Yeah. Uh, I interviewed uh, Jacques Vallée and uh, Paolo Harris. She, they wrote a book on it, and I interviewed her. In, uh, fascinating read. But anyways... The, the the one theory, this magician Kenneth Grant claims that the Trinity, the, the first atomic bomb testing opened a, thinned a veil. It opened up a portal of so, of sorts, and that's what started the big sort of UFO sighting stuff that that's been going on since the forties. But how interesting is it that Parsons does this ritual? We start getting UFO crashes like Roswell mm-hmm. in forty seven, and then all of a sudden, think about this: we're talking um, hundreds of years. 
and they finally find this this book of Enoch in the same year, 1947. Oh, I never made that. Con- oh, I wow. Did oh, you did, oh, Anna. I, made, you I didn't even make that. Con- and yeah. see, you, you're learning well. Oh, you're I'm making. Learned, I'm taking you're, notes. You're making Isaac. connections faster than oh, I am. Man. Wow. I'm freaking okay. out. <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it's it's you know, and and I feel like because I'm I'm people know I'm super into Twin Peaks. I only started yes. watching it a year ago, but I can't stop. And I can't help but think that there is, I don't know, a cyclical pattern we go through. I think they call it like samsara in Buddhism. It's like this cyclical pattern. It's like, are we just going down this same path of mm. retrieving this forbidden arts or technology? Because in the Book of Enoch, I don't have the phrase off the top of my head. I just said it when I recorded my show. But there was a, there was a phrase from the Book of Enoch where God talked about how the reason he destroyed man was something to do with how... Uh, you know, there was a danger of man being, uh, you know, no longer being on the face of the earth. Right. That didn't make sense to me because I said, well, why would you send a flood and kill off 99.9% of man if yeah. that was your concern? I don't think that was a concern. I think the concern was we were getting too technologically evolved and we were going to birth a new species. Oh. What is happening today? AI. We've got this AI thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to get to close to pounding my desk over here. You know, I'm trying to keep it chill. But that's that's the the trans the transhumanism movement. That's uh, defined many years ago. That it has to do with uh, post-human movement, and it's about mankind. And that's what Diana Pasolka's book. I just interviewed her a few months ago. Oh, great! A great book. Uh, American Cosmic, fantastic. I'm going to read Encounters soon. But yeah, highly recommend. American Cosmic changed my mind about a lot of things. Yes, and, and that's what this Encounters book, there's, uh, there's sections of it where they talk about, uh, and she puts it much more eloquently than I will right now, but she talks about this idea that somehow mankind were programmed to birth this new form so that, I don't know, we can die off and this new form is a much more perfect form, and that would be in the form of AI or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's all very unnerving when you, when, you, when you start digging into it, and my, my challenge now, because because I'm already sort of I've seen enough that I'm like, okay, there's something like this going on here. There's there's a there's a disclosure going on where they're trying to they're trying to make us understand that this is an interdimensional thing. And I say that because the whistleblower David Grush, who's making all the rounds on Joe Rogan and all these shows. Oh yeah, he's he, all he, over the place. He was the you know the congressional yep. uh, whistleblower guy, right? Yep. He testified in Congress. Uh, he could go to prison if he's lying. <laughs> right. He, he said, um, if you listen to his interviews, he says there's a quantum physics angle to this. And, yeah. and it's not highlighted by a lot of people, but he says it. And I think um, Congressman, her name is Luna, just two days ago or something like that, she, I think she was the one that went into a skiff with him to discuss yes. aliens and crap. Yeah, it was and her. I, I, post, post skiff, she said something, again, she, she said the same thing. She said something about it being an interdimensional thing, not an extraterrestrial thing, you know? Which I buy more than than the extraterrestrial thing because it, you, you think of the vastness of you know space in the universe and you know just our galaxy within itself and just you know how how physically it doesn't work out where interdimensionality you know that that sounds even more far fetched but when you like you said you break it down to the quantum physics of things it, at least there's a scientific basis of how it can happen instead of you know going from here to Alpha Centauri seems completely impossible if you break it down to quantum physics and, and interdimensionality and bring those things into it. it it, it's a little more palatable, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. It's, and the science behind it, I think, is is simply ritual magic. These forbidden hmm. arts, the Watchers and the Nephilim were using, because they're trying to manifest the reality. And I think there's there's something to that, right? Like I like I, I'm picking on. Uh, we talked about New Age, and I'm picking on Law of Attraction and Manifestation. Well, like I mean, I use those practices on some level. You know, and positive thinking does good things for us. Haven't know. you mentioned as well um, how kind of celebrity or Hollywood can kind of be uh, kind of magicians now? They're yeah, kind of yeah, tuned into that. Yeah, they're they're the modern day they're they're the Roman pantheon of gods and goddesses and, and they, creating reality. Of, yeah. Yes, they, they, and they facilitate. So I'll give you an example uh, related to the Miami thing. If you. If you take the coordinates of the Bayside Miami Mall and inverse them, uh, I think it's like, I could be off, it's like 24 degrees by negative 81 degrees or something like that. Mm-hmm. And you flip it so it's negative 81 and 24 degrees something. 
you fl- you flip them and it takes you to Antarctica, and that's very interesting. Oh yeah, that's that's the inversion, and and this goes back to H.P. Lovecraft, and he was he was a, an author of Cosmic Horror, yeah. and he wrote a bunch of stories um, that inspired many movies, like uh, John Carpenter, who I, I absolutely adore. Wrote he did. Three movies called the Apocalypse Trilogy. Yeah, which is the the thing in the mouth of madness and Prince of Darkness, right? That's right, man. You're good, James. Yeah, you thank go. you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, so yeah. the, the thing is about how they find this crashed UFO in Antarctica, and you know it unleashes all this stuff. And the and that's inspired by H.P. Lovecraft, a story called At the Mountains of Madness. Mm-hmm. And then, side note, Bob Lazar also said that, I think it was on Joe Rogan's show or Jeremy Corbell's documentary, that the U.S. government, he had read that the U.S. government found craft, you know, 10 million years old or something in right. Antarctica. And then also that's where uh, the uh, the German Nazi yeah. players were screwing around. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're doing all kinds of nefarious things there. So do you think maybe whatever was seen in my, like they just got the coordinates mixed up or something? Well, there's, there's an idea, like a... Uh, there's a weird concept, uh, it's a hermetic concept called as above, so below. And it, and it could be like, it's a, I don't know. I, I, I'd be totally going out on a limb trying to guess what, why that would be. But there's, there's like this inversion of reality thing. And like, maybe, you know, maybe the, the microcosm was Antarctica and the macrocosm was Miami and they're connected through a portal or somehow. I, I don't know. I'd be guessing. <laughs> But 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 here, let me tell you how the Hollywood manifests reality real quick. The 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 uh, in the mouth of madness, which is the another the the third film in that apocalypse trilogy. It's about how there's this writer who creates reality through his typewriter. He's creating stories that manifest into real life, and I think that's what a lot of these magicians believe in. And I think that's what you see in a lot of Hollywood films is them trying to create their own new reality. That's what the news does. The news does, mm-hmm. they're manufacturing reality, consensus reality, and saying, hey, this is the thing that happened today. Isn't it crazy? Because he shouldn't do that or whatever. Like, they're trying to convince, they're trying to create the reality, and then people watch it, they get all fired up, because then, then they talk to someone who saw the, the other side of the spectrum's news, and then they argue about, they're like, no, you know, that's not how it went. And they're like, yeah, it is. That's how it went. And, you know, it, it's just this... This uh, this sort of divisive battle we go through, and and that's what we're dealing with. Everything is trying to fight for their version of reality, and the internet sort of democratized things, and uh, we're trying to settle all this out right now. Well, Isaac, man, I could talk to you for hours and hours. I think Anna could too. Um, but before we let you go, I, I know you're going to be looking uh, at the Super Bowl halftime show. Isaac always does. Oh. Uh, since we're a sports-centric show, Isaac always does a Super Bowl halftime uh, episode of his podcast where he kind of deconstructs the occult symbolism that we see in the halftime show. Usher is the uh, performer this year. Isaac, anything specific that you're, you're, like, you're going to be clued into when Usher takes the stage here in a few weeks of the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always oh, I'm overlooking for Super Bowl things. Uh, you know, it is curious his connection to Diddy and Diddy's in hot water right now. Oh so yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see where that goes. Uh, but we'll see. I don't know. You know, sometimes it's very mundane and not much goes on. But we'll see. All right, Isaac. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we let you go, man? Uh, I, I, the, any and we're looking for the Enoch podcast coming up soon. Uh, anything you're working on, uh, author wise, or anything else you want us yeah. to look out for, buddy? Yeah, and yeah. Pe- people, get up there and subscribe to my show. It's Occult Symbolism and Pop Culture. And uh, like I said, we're going to drop uh, an episode about the Book of Enoch, a deep dive into John D, a two-hour deep dive into John D. Because uh, I think people need to catch up on the alien agenda so they know they at least know can make the decision of which you know, which version of reality they want to live in. And then I got two books on Amazon, and uh, I, I self-narrated it on Audible. Uh, usually losing one and two, the alien books. Yeah. And then um, I, I'm working on, I'm trying my best to work on a show. Cause I, I look, I got kicked off of YouTube a long time ago because <laughs> I was talking about symbolism on Taylor Swift's music videos. Uh-oh. And, and so she's been in my sights a long time. And now that she's hanging out with this Travis Kelsey, cause I just started watching football this year for the first time in like 20 years. I haven't watched it in so long. And um, I'm trying to I'm trying to piece something together. So I need people to follow because I'm going to come up with something. I got to I got to keep digging. I got to find some juicy bits. But uh, I, I think there's some uh, coordination there of that relationship. Oh yeah. And uh, I, I I don't I don't trust it. But anyways, yeah. 
Follow, uh, subscribe to my podcast and follow me on Instagram at Isaac Weishop. Good luck spelling it. And uh, yeah, thanks guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thank, thank you, you, Isaac Weishop. We appreciate the time. Awesome as always. Uh, how was that, Anna? Uh, we have to talk about sports after that. Yeah, I can't. we're gonna. We're I can't. Gonna get, we got to talk about Brock Vandergriff. I'm gonna have and a breakdown. Tyler Barron and uh, looking at the, the transfer portal. I don't think uh, I can. Oh, we can. I'm we, like Brock might be an alien. We don't know. We don't know. What Mark Stoops is creating is. a reality. <laughs> you know, Mark Stoops is creating a reality where Kentucky football is in a perpetual magician. It's in a perpetual seven win mode. It, <laughs> that's the reality of, of Kentucky football. It's manifesting that. Manifesting seven wins every and season. Liam Cohen is manifesting. NFL jobs. <laughs> we never got to ask him the, the Tom Cruise question either because we, 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 we can do We'll have one again. I'm in a catatonic state right now. Her mind is spinning. You know, like I need to be hospitalized right now. <laughs> You'll be okay. You want to read a couple texts here before we take Let's a break? Take a, take a breath here. I'll get I'm a coffee. Uh, okay, here we go. Texture. Uh, I do kind of like the idea of getting... Uh, getting it on with an alien, though, that's something you can brag about for years. Texture. Okay, we're shutting down the text line now. <laughs> would Grossman okay. be more interested in this stuff now that the books have relations to? <laughs> texture. Make sure he draws his podcast name again. I'm into this. He did. Occult symbolism and pop culture. Uh, check that out again. Wherever you get your uh, get your uh, podcast or look after. Uh, always fun to do a weird Wednesday. Uh, text, you're not sure I believe like you do, but the way more interesting than talking Louisville basketball. Thank you for today's show and not talking Louisville basketball. Oh, we're going to talk Maybe Louisville basketball. Kenny Payne was put there by <laughs> sources. By sources. And... Yeah, he's, yeah. He's working in occult magic. Uh, he could be. On the court. It could be AI, all that we know. It could be AI. We don't know. Texts are extraterrestrial to me seems more palatable because of the vastness of space. The interdimensional angle seems less palatable to me without more evidence. Fair enough. Texter, y'all know that was from like eight years ago that must be uh that, that must have been for the other show uh unless there was you know something else going on all right good stuff for the text line a lot of text coming in let's go ahead and take a break oh texture isaac is legit the best thank you uh always seem to have good reviews whenever isaac comes on so good stuff yes uh, appreciate him very much all right let's take a break on the other end we're going to talk uh i mean brom got a, a big deal in the portal yesterday i mean a really really big deal i don't like to kind of poo poo things sometimes because of Louisville football but no it's a big one uh brock vander Riff, he has his thoughts on Liam Cohen, and I, I, I don't, I do know what to make of them. But I'm going to see what Anna makes of them, and then closer look at the portal and exactly what is Louisville and Kentucky doing there. That more Kendrick Haskins at four o'clock. Uh, but guys, I mean, erectile dysfunction is something that people deal with, and look, it, it can be difficult. It's a hit to the ego. Uh, it can be difficult on your relationship with your with your significant other. Uh, it, it can, it, you know, low confidence and, and just you know you don't feel like you're a man sometimes. And, and but it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing that you're going through alone. There are some guys that in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties that experience this. And, and here's here's the the light at the end of the tunnel. You can get your intimacy back. People can help you with this. Tri-State Men's Health, right? Tri-State Men's Health. They're the experts that plenty of men trust and go to and see. And they have a, a, a success rate well over 90% with their treatments. Uh, and, and their treatment, look, it can get you back into the bedroom that day. And you can last up to or even over an hour. So your significant other would really like that. Uh, Tri-State Men's Health uh, has a location here in Louisville off of Breckenridge. Uh, you go ahead and you can schedule a consult today. You have a $99 initial visit and if they give you a test in the room and the test doesn't work the test dose doesn't work you get the 99 dollar consult free you you understand that you get it free if it doesn't work give them a call 800-900-9654 800-900-9654 or visit at tristatemenshealth.com My question to them after the game was, um, should I hold you to less of a standard? You're listening to the Round Table with Round Daddy. Now here's Round Daddy, James Strebel. It's a great question, Kenny Payne. Question. It's a good question. Four three seven nine six eighty UPS Jobs text line. Great stuff there with Isaac Weishaupt to open the show. We'll podcast that uh, separately uh, as well from you know the, the original. We'll do the Weird Wednesday you separate podcast. You need to listen. You need to listen, and we'll put it out there. If you missed it uh, earlier, great stuff for our early Weird Wednesday. We'll get back to normal next week, but uh, yeah, so good stuff there. Hey, uh, tonight here 
here on the airwaves. The high school hour right after us here at 6 p.m. on ESPN 680-1057. You have Louisville basketball at North Carolina. That coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. over on 93.9 The Ville, the Alex White Network coverage. And then uh, don't forget the Coors Light postgame show after the game after the network coverage uh so that'll be around oh gosh midnight or so poor ethan's gonna have to get up early for, for school in the morning uh sorry sorry about that ethan the, the kentucky fish and wildlife basketball post game show that'll be on about 9 p.m with jason it's mike gandolfo zach cantrell uh don't forget to enter the elk draw on their website and then 10 p.m nightcap arizona versus usc Tommy Lloyd versus Bronny James. 437 UPS Jobs text line. All right, Anna. So back to sports. I know this is going to be tough for you, but it you can. Hard. You it's can, a hard transition. You can do it. We can, we can, all, do, we can, we can all get through this together uh, <laughs> as Anna's world continues to be rocked. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> we'll manifest some sports. Let's right, go. Let's manifest some sports. So, uh, okay. So all, all the. I, I had to chuckle and smile at some of the Jeff Brom portal stuff because yeah. some of the guys they were getting were fine players. They mm-hmm. were I mean, fi- fine players, but there you know there was this narrative that they're number one because of the quantity of right. guys they're getting. Uh, I think they've they've gotten twenty three players out of the portal. It's something. Let me look here real quick. Um, Let's see. Is someone? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Louisville transfers in twenty three, transfers out twenty one. Kentucky transfers in ten, transfers out thirteen. Thank you uh, at Jesse U of L for uh, for those screenshots. Appreciate that, man. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, but anyway, they got a big one yesterday. Uh, yeah. Defensive end transfer Tyler Barron. Uh-huh. So he was at Tennessee. Then he committed to Ole Miss back when Lane Kiffin was the, quote, the king of the transfer, of the transfer portal. portal yeah. uh, so he flips his commit from Ole Miss to Louisville. It's pretty big. Uh, it, yes, it's a it's it's a major, uh, major get. So he's the number 14 overall player in the portal, according to 247, and he's the number three edge rusher. Uh, he played for Tennessee in 2023. He had 28 tackles, 10 and a half for loss, and six sacks. Uh, for for last year for 2023 so career 101 tackles 27 tackles for loss 13 and a half six uh sacks and he had 41 qb pressures mm-hmm. uh last year for tennessee so this is this is one anna where you know the, the, this this one makes you kind of take notice Put here you on the map yeah for, it's, for a, what it's Louisville's a statement doing. get especially it is if a you're statement flipping get. No, from it is a, it, it's a statement get yeah. yeah a flip from old miss is pretty i don't think anybody really thought that that would happen no i mean you had old miss fans kind of yesterday on twitter <laughs> the, the rumors were, were were kind of popping up that this yeah. could happen and like, no way and they Louisville, were like get out a Louisville jeff brom who's no that respect. no no and, and, and they poo-pooed it and it ended up happening now happen. if you look at the transfer portal as a whole right now you look at some of the top players um okay so this is where i came in again this is why this made a big deal for louisville because they were getting players like kentucky not some of the top players so right now the number one player in the transfer portal is, is caleb downs and he just entered the transfer portal from alabama yeah and we'll talk more about that I, later yeah, i'm waiting for that those floodgates to open oh they they already have yeah. i mean they're 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 left and right they're players uh entering the transfer portal from alabama so uh louisville first pops up with uh this is according to 247 Tyler Barron, uh, they have him as number 17 overall. Kentucky's highest rated portal guy is uh, Jamin uh, Dumas Johnson. That's the guy that we're getting from from uh, Georgia. Mm-hmm. He's number 21 in the okay. 247 rankings. Yeah. And then you don't get another you don't get another guy from either school until you scroll all the way down. I'm still scrolling in. I'm in the 44 Brock Vandergriff, and that's Kentucky. Louisville doesn't have another one pop up until, and I got to hit the load more players button because now I'm into the 50s. Because <laughs> uh, it has every single person that's either in the portal or committed, and I'm still going for Louisville, still going for Louisville. And okay, uh, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, and that's the uh, defensive back they got from Alabama. So, okay. And then you have Raymond Cottrell, AM to, to Kentucky, that was the uh, wide receiver. So basically, the point of this is before. Before I'm a hater. That's what. It, yeah, that's, that's what it is. Before before they got Baron, it was more about quantity, quantity. than quality. Yeah, yeah. But Baron 
changes that, that's a quality a statement. statement get. And it just gets a lot of eyes on it, too, since it's from Ole Miss. Because Lane Kiffin was the mover and shaker in the portal. Absolutely. I mean, like, that was his name uh, on it. So, yeah, that, that's a, that says a lot. Uh, to me, and, and what it's doing too, Anna, is it's it's continuing to set the standard and the precedent for Jeff Brom year two. And just that it's a fun, cool program to come play at. Oh no, that's a great you know you know that's yeah. a great point. That that's something that you know Scott Satterfield had his issues, mm-hmm. and they are mostly winning and losing, <laughs> but, <laughs> which is the most important, obviously. But he had established before he left. I don't know how he did it. He did actually. I do know how he did it. Zach Soskin and, and, and the Clarksons. He made Louisville recruiting cool for yes. one cycle. They have like the cars on the field, the cars, the, the, the jets, the photo shoot. Exactly. They do yeah. the five hundred two BBQ field. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He made the, for for how because he's the biggest dork in college football. He must but, have had a consultant. Oh, he did. He had Zach Soskin, like I said, the Clarksons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Steve Clarkson, Pierce Clarkson's father. Yeah. They were oh, his yeah, consultants. Yeah, yeah. They're the ones that kind of remade Louisville's image in the minds of recruiting. Okay, uh-huh. it had it had zero point five percent to do with Scott Satterfield. Zero point five. Now I said that back then. I stand by it even more so today. Mm-hmm. But Jeff Brom is is doing this. Not on his own, but he's the face of it. Yeah. He, he, it, it it's not so much as, you know, Adidas or Pierce Clarkson mm-hmm. and, and Steve Clarkson and Zach Soskin. Mm-hmm. It's Jeff Brom and the 502 Circle. The NIL yeah. thing yep. is real, and Louisville's using it to their advantage. And they're, look, it, it doesn't matter if it's quantity or quality. They have the number one transfer portal class. Yeah. That's what matters. But when you say who's number one and it says Louisville, there's not much you can sit there and go, oh, it's about how many they got. All these these dudes are buzz, whatever. They're still number one. Yeah. And that, I mean, today, that, Tyler, that was just a statement for me. I don't know. It's, what What is Lane Kiffin always say? Come to the sip, whatever. Come to the sip. It's like Brahma's done that without even like a catchy little, little <laughs> catchphrase, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. That, that's just, it sends a message. It's kind of like a coming out party there. Yeah. And I think Louisville fans are very excited about that. And, and to me, that was, that's the one that, that matters over all of them. To, yeah. In my mind. Now, uh, also, we had... Brock Vandergriff, yeah. talk Liam Cohen. And I am shocked at what that he spoke so freely. Oh, he spoke very freely. Very freely. Okay, and, and this is this article is by Adam Luckett. Okay. Uh, okay, so this is this is what he said. I want I'll read from quote for quote, and then then we can react here. Okay, so um, Adam Luckett talks to Brock Vandergriff. Uh, he says the following. Okay, in a recent interview with WKYT, mm-hmm. Vandergriff dished on the Cohen situation and how the locker room is handling the issue. Quote: That's something a couple of mid-year guys have talked about. Jamari Macklin, he's a transfer guy, reached out and Bo Allen. We were texting about it, Vandergriff told WKYT. Honestly, college football is a business. And Coach Cohen, I would just want him to do what's best for his family because I trust Coach Cohen. I love Coach Cohen. Just at the end of the day, if that's what his future is to stay at Kentucky, then we would love that. That's why I came here is for Coach Cohen. Football's a business. Just whatever he does, I want to make sure he's happy at the end of the day. Cohen played a, uh, a key role in recruiting Vandergriff. Uh, also says the players are at the Joe Craft football training facility are playing the waiting game. Uh, Vandergriff says we would love for him to stay. That's what we're all hoping for. Okay, so uh, what do you think yeah. uh, when you hear those comments from Brock Vandergriff? My first thought, I bet Slack their SID wanted to murder him after that. <laughs> but, I mean, I get it. Just to speak so freely, to me that he brought up, like, hoping he would stay. I feel like if there weren't really... It just gives more juice to that. It just proves to me that it is a real possibility that he's entertaining these other jobs. If not, oh, it wouldn't yeah. even be a story. You wouldn't even have an answer. If, he were, if there was no truth to it at all that he was entertaining these other jobs, the answer would have been, oh, I haven't really heard anything about that. You know? Right. You wouldn't have, there wouldn't be any hope involved that we hope no, he they're talking. No, that's a great that point by you. That changed my mind on it after I read his comments. Stays. Yeah. Now, it gave so much more, um, you know, worth to those rem- credibility. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you, does that sound like a guy that is going to stay if Liam Cohen departs? <sighs> to me, it did. And I you think so? I think so. I don't know. I mean, the, what, what do you do... 
I mean, he hasn't played. Point, he, he, well, I mean, Will Rogers just. I mean, he he just in, re-entered the draft port, uh, mm-hmm. the, the transfer portal. He had committed to Washington. I think it depends on how long it drags on. And as soon as Kalen DeBoer left, he he was out. He was out. But uh, this, you know, this isn't a for sure. This could drag on however long. You this know? could drag. Yeah, this could again. This could drag on until after the Super Bowl. I'm just shocked uh, that those were his comments. That he a he spoke so freely on it. B that. You know, it's obviously something he spent some time and emotion thinking about. Well, they're all like I said, he's he's texting yeah. guys about this. They're, 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 about talk, they're talking and that about means it. They're totally left in the dark. If it were a non-story, it wouldn't be that way. So if It'd be Col- to discuss. So the, the Kentucky's you know two three best transfer portal gets are Brock Vandergriff and uh, Jamori Macklin, mm-hmm. uh, the, the wide receiver that that was previously mentioned. Those are the two best guys mm-hmm. so far. Uh, if if Cohen leaves. And then they depart. And then maybe, I mean, you could have guys on the team that are like, hey, look, I, I want to play in Cohen's system. I'm tired of having to to do the, the offensive coordinator dance over again, over mm-hmm. and over again every single year. There's a new offensive coordinator. What do guys like, you know, Dane Key and Barry and Brown, Can you, you know, imagine? what do they think about it? As far as like, okay, now That's we have another one. me sad. It's like their careers have kind of been impacted very heavily, especially that receiver's room. Yeah. Just in terms of their development and just they've been pulled this way, the other way uh i know dane never would have gone to kentucky if cohen weren't coming in to be the coordinator and then he leaves and then he's back and then it's a bit of a disappointing start to the season and they picked it up at the end of the year he, he dane key got better both he did. barry and brown and dane key got better as the, the year went on it that the, we thought i mean absolutely dane key ended with the same amount of touchdowns as he did his freshman year right it was a, it, the, there was not a jump it was like they started off poorly yeah. and then they just kind of got back to what they were, they were. as freshmen yeah. that's a great that's a so great I way to put it yes their development is just impeded and that's sad for them and it doesn't do any help to your program when you're doing this little no. song and dance every off season a what recruits going forward are going to want to come when you're here and there and maybe every off season he might not even be there i mean in the long run it's not helping anything and Okay, a rumor's a rumor, but if they're having group texts about it, and the play, that has an impact if the players are Absolutely. questioning it. Your quarterback yeah. doesn't know what's going on. Who's going to be the leader of the team? Are you kidding me? If he were staying, you don't think Cohen would be like, listen. Listen, I'm not, d- d- he would not have, right. He would not have said that. He would not have those thoughts. And I don't think he said anything wrong. No, to I me, don't either. So refreshing that he had that sit down. He was honest with his like, I hey, loved look. That. I we love hope that. he stays. He's got options. We, he's going to do his best for him. Yep. But you know, that's a great Just that's a great window. point by you because those two have seemed seem to be pretty close. Yeah, and it seems that that I mean, it happened so fast. Mm-hmm. As soon as the transfer portal opened, Brock Vandergriff was in it. He was at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. There's pictures of Liam Cohen and him at, on a sideline on a high school yep. football game. And then you're like, okay, there for him for him to he, he's talking to Liam Cohen. Yeah. You can tell by the way he worded things that uh-huh. he has talked to Liam yes. Cohen. Liam Cohen it is actively entertaining. I'm not saying he's trying to leave. Mm-hmm. I'm saying he's actively entertaining these job offers or these interview offers that he's getting. And that's that's worrisome to me. That that, that, his interview it, was very worrisome to it, me. Yeah, is, is it because, again, is it because he's an NFL guy? That's just where he wants to be? Or is it because of the relationship between him and Stoops and what was promised as an offensive coordinator? Maybe he wasn't, you know, the reins weren't all the way given over to him. I don't mm-hmm. know. But this, this, would be, this would be a terrible look for Mark Stoops be awful. if Liam Cohen leaves it seems like it could be the beginning of the end you know just a downward uh, slope after that i was reading some comments on the good old cats illustrated uh oh, you were doing the dirty work i was doing the dirty work you, you know you're in the mud and yeah. when you're on the message Let me just boards read these you're, yeah, you're here in the mud and it was basically like we all want john summerall <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, was, it was like yes. have you seen his his, his opening presser, oh my he kills it every his presser goes. and then they had him uh, they had a locker room thing with him where he's with the players like his first team meeting loved I, I was like oh i know i know oh, and he oh. gets so much national respect too i know he's he's a star he's yeah. he's an up-and-coming star and, and moving fast and moving fast but he yeah i mean tulane was a top 25 job all year it's yep. a top 25 job all year or not job but top 25 program mm-hmm. all year this mm-hmm. year in football so uh, absolutely all right let's go ahead and, and, and uh take a, a break uh, get i trust Kendra. him cohen with my life <laughs> oh, i do oh no if he's here <laughs> if he yeah if he's, he's here. here uh read a couple texts here real quick and we'll get kendrick haskins on text her lmao he loves cohen he's known him for three minutes hey he said he's the the whole reason he came to Kentucky. But that is true. He's a likable guy. He gets that buy-in from his players. 
I mean, yeah. look at Levis. Look at the other guys. They were so happy when he came back. It, 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 sometimes some people, you, you do just have that connection with them after only three minutes. I think that's what's helping with uh, transfer with recruiting. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Texter, what's bigger? Uh, what is bigger is the NIL to keep three kids from going pro. That's a, that's yeah, that's yeah. absolutely. Uh, Texter, look at the all three rankings, not the two four seven crap. Like I'm gonna look at the rankings that I look at. Okay, I'm not gonna look at the ones that, that treat Louisville nice or treat Kentucky nice. I saw two four seven, so I went to two four seven. Don't just tell me that just because it's it's nice to Louisville and the cards. I'm not doing that. I'm just gonna look at it. I'm not gonna look at on three. That's what I saw. That's what it is. The cords. The cords. <laughs> Texture. What about all, all world Mac running back? Braun Bryant working fools. Yeah, Penny, something Penny. He was mm. he was low on the list. He Penny. wasn't. Yeah, he they're, they're, he's not a Herschel Walker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Texture. So NFL uh, draftbuzz.com ranks the top 25 NFL defensive line prospects. Three Louisville D liner in the top 15. Uh, Thor Griffith, the uh, transfer they're getting from Harvard. Ashton Gelati, who stayed, and Tyler Barron. I think that's what's scary, too is, you know, cleaning up in the portal defensively. And when Braum is such an offensive guy and that's, you know, his, his big thing, he kept, that was what was so exciting. That was yeah. flashy when he came there. But, like, his biggest transfer portal get is on defense. Well, he, and the defense was better than the, like, as the season went on, the defense was looked upon more favorably, favorably yeah, than for, the offense. Which was so surprising. Which is not, you, what, what you would predict, Braum yeah. coming in there his first year, what would be really good, what would need some cleaning up. It was the opposite of what I thought. Absolutely. All right, let's take a break. We'll get Kendrick Haskins in here. Uh, hope everyone is locked into the DraftKings app, DraftKings Sportsbook. They're an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs. They're bringing you an offer that'll make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets five bucks 200 instantly in bonus bets on top of that so everyone also gets a no sweat same game parlay for every single playoff game go check out the odds on your DraftKings sportsbook app right now heck you can do college basketball you don't have to wait uh this weekend for the playoffs to start you could bet on some college basketball tonight uh kentucky five and a half point favorite over mississippi state the cards uh a 23 point underdog uh at north carolina tonight so if you want to go and and you say okay Louisville might lose this game but 23 is a huge number uh I, I'm going to take Louisville plus 23 whatever you want to do the Sportsbook app has it for you with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code WHBE. New customers can bet just 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code WHBE. The crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18-PLUS, physically present in Kentucky. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Opt-in required. One, no sweat token issued per eligible day after opt-in. No sweat bonus bet issued based on amount of losing qualifying bet. Eligibility max reward limits and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. 